Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. And as it is appointed of men to die once, but after this, the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. As I said in the first hour, this, these verses pack a lot of information, not only in the express uh, words themselves, but all the connections we can make with other parts of Scripture. The entrance of death into the world is way at the beginning of the Bible. Death came by virtue of sin. It is a judgment, a divine judgment upon image bearers because of sin. The first sinner was Adam, and he had death come to him as a penal or a legal um, infliction by God upon him for transgressing the covenant Adam was placed under and the law he was placed under. Death came because of sin. You can read that in Paul uh, elsewhere, not only in Hebrews, but in especially Romans. We have here many truths. Uh, I sought to unpack some of them earlier. We have the first coming of Christ for the purpose of dealing with the sins of many, and we have the second or future coming of Christ to deal with, with reference to those who eagerly wait him, to bring the consummation of the salvation that he came to win in his first coming with reference to his own people at his second coming. It's not for judgment under condemnation. It's for the consummation of salvation. We noticed seven things this morning. I'm not going to repeat those. And then we started to contemplate, think a little uh, deeper, uh, get under the skin, under the surface of, uh, of the text uh, this morning. So I'm going to continue that. The first contemplation was this in light of our text. Everyone here this morning needs to think about death. It is appointed for man to die, then to die once, and then the judgment. Remember that quote from John Owen, his death leaves men, so shall judgment find them. Very sobering truth. But a second contemplation is this. Our text indicates to us the purpose and accomplishment of Christ's once for all death. Our text indicates to us the purpose and accomplishment of Christ's once for all death. He was offered once, there's his death, to bear the sins of many. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. So here we have substitutionary atonement, but not in those words. The doctrine's there based on the words and what the words mean. 
a once-for-all death to bear the sins of many. Unlike the old system of animal sacrifices, which had to be repeated again and again and again, Christ offered himself once. And he offered himself to bear the sins of many. I mentioned earlier that this is the, an echo of Isaiah 53, 12. To bear the sins of many. He would bear the sins, which means the guilt of the sins, the liability unto punishment as a judgment for sins. That's what he bore. So no future offering is needed for any reason. If you read the book of Hebrews, some of you might not understand this, you won't be a dispensationalist. Okay? No animal sacrifices in the future. All those sacrifices pointed to one sacrifice. And when that which those pointed to comes, those are done. It's finished. The one sacrifice that puts an end to all other sacrifices has been offered. And unlike the blood of bulls and goats, which could never take away sin, Paul tells us that in the book of Hebrews, and it's guilt. Christ bore our sins on the cursed tree once and dealt with it. He bore our guilt. He was punished for us because he was punished for our sins. We will not be punished for our sins. Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because his first coming for us was with reference to sin, his second coming for us is with reference to the consummation of our salvation. Third contemplation. Oh, and a final one is this. Believers in Christ need to ponder these words. Those, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. I think we hit on this a little earlier. Believers eagerly wait for him. Why? Well, because of the promises of the word of God and grace in their hearts. Believers recognize that this world is not their home, at least not their home as it is in its current sin-stained condition. Believers recognize that this ain't it. It's not just you're born, you live, you die, you don't exist anymore. Believers recognize that this world, as it is in its current sin-stained condition, is something we're passing through, but it's not something we're going to have to endure forever. Because believers recognize this based on the word of God, they eagerly wait 
for that day to happen. Matter of fact, Paul talks about this in Romans. This is Romans 8, verses 18 to 23. You can turn there if you want, or you can just listen. Most of you have heard these words before. I've read them probably, I don't know, 100 times in the last 10 years or so in the life of our church. These almost don't need to be preached. You could just read them and then pray and your sermon's done. Romans 8, 18 and following. Listen to the Apostle Paul here, eagerly awaiting for him to come the second time, not with reference to sin, but with reference to the consummation of salvation. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Now that's very interesting. Even the creation itself is personified here as if it's kind of looking for the glory train to come around the corner as well. And what are they waiting for? The full revelation of the sons of God. That is, the eternal state uh, endowed upon those for whom Christ came to live and die. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected, subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For somehow, some way, the consummation of salvation is going to spill over, not just upon image bearers, male and female, who believed in Christ, but on the creation itself. Um, So the last Adam does a, a marvelous work that not only affects us as individuals, but it affects the creation as well because of the curse that affected the creation. He, has, he undoes the curse. And the curse shall be no more. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Sound familiar? Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for a for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. I can keep going, but I'm going to stop there. That sound familiar? Romans 8 and kind of Hebrews 9, 27, and especially the words eagerly wait for him. This kind of fills in some of the details of it. But here, listen to another apostle saying the same thing. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, here's hope, 
Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, 2 Peter 3, 11 through 13. Same thing. Matter of fact, this is why we read, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us once, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people zealous for good works. Titus 2, 13 and 14. There's the longing, looking anticipation based on revealed promises in the word of God that is born in the souls of all true believers. There's also 2 Timothy 4, 8, which speaks of all who have loved his appearing. I love that one. All who have loved is appearing. True believers in Christ love even to contemplate the appearing, not just the first coming, but the second coming of the Lord. Be believers in Christ ponder these words. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him. He will appear, all those who have loved his appearing, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Methinks we ought to meditate upon that a little. Muse it over in our mind. Turn it over and over and over and allow its truth to, to, to sink deep into our soul. In fact, we are told that we should be looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life, Jude 21. We are to have this eschatological longing, anticipation of the future in, present, in the present based on the promises revealed in Scripture. The future is to minister to us now, the future as promised. We are to long for it. Uh, the New American Standard says, anxiously waiting, obviously not a sinful anxiousness, but anxiously waiting, anticipating in a wonderful way all the mercy of the Lord. I think I've shared this story. I either read this or I heard it one time about some old Scottish minister was dying and one of the, somebody came into it on his deathbed and he says, John, you're going to your reward. And he says, no, I'm going to get more mercy longing, looking for, anticipating the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. See what that says? I already got mercy. I'm going to get more mercy. It's a pretty good deal. Do I deserve mercy? No. We deserve justice. Do I get justice? Not if I believe in Jesus, I get mercy. What about the justice that was due me, he took? He dealt with it. Looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. This is why we sing these words. O Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds rolled back as a scroll the trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend 
Even so, it is well with my soul. So that's that line. I don't know which line it is of hymn number 580. It kind of encapsulates this anxiously, or excuse me, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. Those who eagerly await for him. Those who love his appearing. That, that line reflects those kind of truths, and may, may God burn that into our hearts. Let's pray. We thank you, Lord, for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that most of us have tasted already, but we will get more of it when he comes again. We anxious, we uh, eagerly await his coming, uh, certainly never enough, but we do have this expectation based on your word that a glorious future, a marvelous, incredible future that words cannot uh, do justice to is in store for those who love your appearing. Uh, and all of that is due to what our Lord Jesus did when he came at the end of the ages to consummate all the promises of God, which are yea and amen in him. So we pray that you would um, burn these truths into our heads and hearts, that we might better serve you. And we ask your blessings as well on the supper of the Lord Jesus. And we ask in his name for your blessings. Amen.